Welcome to Next Wave, the podcast that explores how design and creativity is helping to advance technology and business. I'm your host, Robert Gracious, coming to you from the One Spring Podcast Studio. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with leaders and practitioners in various creative fields about how the creative process can help advance technology to better serve people and business. With me today for our first episode is Jason Moshe. Jason is one of the founders of OneSpring and is an expert in some of the latest trends around design. In this episode, we'll be exploring what is user experience design and how does it relate to the discipline of customer experience. So, Jason, let's begin by telling our audience a bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Uh, appreciate you having me on the podcast to start off, and, and I'll just talk a little bit about my background. Uh, again, Jason Moshe, I'm the founder of OneSpring, and I started off my career defining requirements for software back in 1997, and over the past couple of decades now, the process has really changed around creativity, design, and how things are built. And I'm really excited to be talking about this, and hopefully we'll get into some details in this podcast. Awesome. So my first question, um, for a business owner or manager that has heard of UX design, but not sure what it is, how would you define it? I look at UX as really the, the process by which it could be software or products are actually designed. So what I mean by that, and let me give you a simple example. Let's take a iPhone application, for example, that you download and you want to use. Maybe it's booking a room or using a tool to find a restaurant. So you go through a process by searching, by selecting, and fine-tuning what it is you're looking for. Uh, user experience is all about that tactical piece, the journey that somebody goes through while they're using an application. On the product side, it could be how you actually interact with a product. So UX practitioners are trained to look at these things and try to optimize how a user is actually interacting with something. In our case, it's mostly software applications, but it does apply to products as well. Mm, that's interesting. So tell me a little bit about how that would benefit a business or an organization. Well, I mean, nowadays, it's it's you probably heard a lot about customer experience and really getting into the minds of the users. And and that could be clients as well, right? Users and clients are kind of the really the same thing. It's really trying to compete at that level where we have a better product, the organization has a better product, something more usable. So as companies compete, they're really trying to compete for attention. So how do you get more attention? Uh, of course, there's advertising and marketing, but at the end of the day, when somebody's selecting your application or going to your website, you're competing to hold their attention, and user experience is all about trying to optimize that experience to keep them on the site, to have them go through the process of maybe ordering something. So it's a really critical piece, and it's a piece that many organizations have kind of ignored over the years, but they're catching up now and realizing, hey, we have to have a better user experience for our users, otherwise they're gonna to go to our competitors. So it sounds sort of like companies are realizing that they can't just compete on price anymore. There has to be something else that, that gives them further differentiation. Yeah, I think so. I think price is just one factor. I think um, you can look at popular brands out there and ask the question, why does somebody select one brand over the other? Sometimes it, it is price, uh, if it, especially if it's a commodity type product but if you're looking for uh, service, for example, and you, you, you're, you really value the service, not just the price, then why are you gonna, how are you gonna select one brand over the other? 
So probably a good example of this is the hotels that you like to stay at. You know, if you like to stay at a Marriott versus a Hilton, and why is that? Um, I would I would um, bet that most of the users or listeners here are probably going to look at the service that a hotel provides, not just the price, right? There's other factors. And that can even tie into it's easier to book, for example, and they give me a fair price at the end of the day. But it's all taken together. So you have to really look at the entire life cycle or what we call in the, in the industry the journey that a, that a consumer goes through and, and really get to the, the details around why are they going to this particular site? Why are they ordering this product? What, is it price? Is it the experience? What is it? So that's where a lot of the research comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that user experience has more benefit in one industry versus another? So for example, UX is really um, effective for healthcare, but maybe not so much for fintech? Um, I think it applies everywhere, to be honest with you. I mean, if you look at the clients we've worked with over the years, it, it really runs the gamut from federal clients all the way to commercial and small business even. Uh, so if they have an application or a, an interface, let's just simplify it, if there's an interface that a person is active or is actively engaged with and they're using, have it be mobile, have it be web, even in car or kiosks, then there's a value in having a good user experience. The last thing companies want is to have a customer, potential customer, interacting with their brand through some interface and have it be a bad or frustrating experience. They can't find what they're looking for. Um, It's slow to navigate. And all of those things factor into that emotional state of the user. And it's very easy nowadays for consumers just to go in a different direction, right? It's one click away to go to a competitor and look look at the competitor. So it's in the interest of many types of vertical markets and industries to really look at how do we optimize that experience. And that's that's where the trend is going right now. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Do you feel that there's also a need within, say, nonprofit organizations or even the federal government for user experience? Yeah, and there's there's one example that comes to mind in the nonprofit space. And, you know, they have the same organizational challenges as any any company out there, right? They have operations they have to deal with. They have, you know, they're servicing a community of people, right? So there's there's interactions that are going to take place that you have to be able to get data, for example, around what's going on in the field and and be able to take action. So there's a lot of operations. There's a lot of uh, user-facing interfaces and things like that. So, yeah, absolutely. I think um, modernizing the systems is prevalent across many industries. I don't think uh, NGOs or nonprofits are specific in any way in that regards. And the example I was thinking of was a client that they had a, a portal, it was basically a user-facing portal, that they wanted to optimize. This is where they're, when they did outreach, you know, in the market uh, to try to help people, there was you know, need for them to provide data and to interact with the nonprofit. So there was a portal for that, and and it's in their interest to constantly modernize and make sure that's a stable experience and easier to use. Now, it may not be as critical in terms of the user experience for that versus, say, retail. With retail, you know, heavy competition and so forth versus a nonprofit. 
where there may be only one nonprofit helping somebody, uh, but there's still value in having a good user experience. And one thing I want to point out as well is that not let's not just think about, hey, this application or interface is easy to use. It's also how do you gain more efficiency in the process. So if you have people using an application and they're dropping off or it's taking too long for them to use, how do you optimize that so it's faster and more efficient for them to use? So from an organizational standpoint, it's they get better data out of it. They get um, happier customers out of it. So efficiency, usability, all of those things factor into user experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really sounds like user experience is something that is universally valuable, uh, regardless of whether you're a government agency or in the private sector. Uh, it just sounds like the benefits are something that can apply you know, pretty much to, to any type of organization. I think so. And one thing that is interesting is that and this is where companies, in my opinion, are starting to change the way they do things, is that it's very easy to have a bias, if you're a company, around the user experience. And the reason for that, and what I mean by that, is that you'll have organizations that they think they know what the user wants and how the user should best interact with a product or service or some kind of interface that a client has, but there's a bias there and it's very important for organizations not to just assume they know what users want and design something. So what UX practitioners really focus on is taking the bias out of the design process and actually doing user research. And that's where research really becomes valuable is because you want to remove the bias and go right to the end user and get feedback directly from him or her void of the internal politics and bias that may occur within an organization. So I think over the past five to 10 years, there's really been a shift from, hey, we know internally what we need to design and designing it to, now we really need to go out and do the research and and be unbiased in this approach and and let the practitioners do what they need to do to figure out what's the best use of this technology that we have. Sure, it makes a lot of sense. I. I'm sure that many organizations have relied upon their internal folks to say, hey, we know what's best, we know what the user or the end consumer wants, only to find out later that the project backfires on them, it didn't meet their needs appropriately, Um, the end user ends up ultimately revolting against the application or site and doesn't really use it, and folks started to have that realization that, well, maybe we really do need to get out out of the office a little bit and go talk to folks and really see and, and, and hear firsthand in terms of what their needs are. Yeah, you're bringing up a very good point, and this this happens consistently, and a lot of the work we've done over the years has been redesign-type work, and usually what happens is organizations put the most value on actually building something. They don't want to use the budgets typically for heavy research and time spent designing. They want to get into building, and I get that, and that's a a very common thing is let's start building it and maybe fine-tune the user experience as we go. A lot of times what we see happen is they take that approach and design something that doesn't have a very good user experience, and the only way they find out about that is they roll it out, they launch the product, and people start interacting with it, and they start getting feedback. And once that feedback comes in, well, guess what? They have to now change and adapt 
their applications to meet that new criteria. And that's where a lot of the cost comes in for organizations is now you've, you've in essence, done user usability testing and user testing out there by launching a product. And that's not really what you want to do. What you want to do is you want to do that user testing early, as early as you possibly can before you get into the build cycle for a software or a product. Um, prototyping, for example, if you're looking at physical products, building prototypes, taking them, taking them out in the field, showing users, doing focus groups, really figuring out, is this something we want to move with or invest in or not? And how do we tweak the product to make it better? On software, it's very common to go all the way through development, launch it, and then get feedback. And then, then they bring in user experience practitioners to fix it, right? So there's a lot of redesign work out there that companies are spending time and money and effort in, into, and they don't really need to if they do it right the first time. Yeah, it sounds like it would be just very costly. And you know, what a way to introduce a product or service to the customer by actually using them sort of as the test bed rather than testing it first, really to find out what those issues are. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of uh, horror stories around you know, unsuccessful launches where companies have just rushed to build something, get it out there, only to find out that it doesn't work. And then they have to suffer those repercussions. Yeah, that, I think that's human nature to a large extent. You know, it's, it's all about action, especially if you're an entrepreneur. You want action. You want to be able to move and build and launch something quickly. Uh, but if you're going to do that, and this can be small company or large companies, if you're going to do that type of technique, and there's specific things like design sprints, um, which are one-week events where you actually go through some light user testing, development, and additional usability testing and launching something in one week. Um, Companies are starting to adopt techniques like that. It's more of an entrepreneurial mindset, but they're really trying to get to a state where, you know, hey, we can test drive an idea very quickly, um, launch it, get some feedback, make some refinements, do another design sprint. So design sprints have become very popular over the past few years, and um, it's something that user experience experts and practitioners use on a regular basis. Well, that sounds like something that we should definitely talk about in a future episode. Uh, That and the user research and the testing you were talking about, I think that our listeners would really enjoy learning more about that and those techniques and and probably learning about how how can that be done in a scaled way so that things can be done quickly and efficiently, yet still get all the benefits Mm -hmm. uh, out of conducting the research. So I want to switch gears for a second. One of the things that we're hearing more and more about is the term customer experience. And... I wanted to find out from you, you know, what is customer experience and how is that different than user experience? So customer experience, the way I think about it is the emotional side, emotional journey of a, a user or a client or a customer, somebody out there that's interacting with your brand. So CX for short really falls into not only the software side, but it also falls into the marketing side. So Marketers have been looking at you know, CX for a long time, really trying to get into the minds of their buyers and how they interact with the brand. Where CX comes into play is it definitely crosses into digital more now. So you have a blending of kind of traditional marketing as well as digital marketing and, and software. And how do you take those experiences that your customer and customers are having and, and translate that into some kind of 
action-orientated process internally to make change. And let me give you a simple example of CX and UX, and hopefully I can bring it all together. Uh, for a lot of the listeners out there, if you've ever used the Starbucks application, um, I use it on a regular basis to, to order coffee as I'm, as I'm going to the stores. And when you look at that journey from getting up in the morning to driving to work, right, everything in between that happens, that's my emotional journey and state, right? So when you're looking at CX, you're really designing around what does what is Jason doing? What is that persona doing as they go through their life? And ultimately, when they order from the app and they go into the store, get their coffee and leave, right? So CX practitioners are all about understanding that journey and the pain points that are in that journey. When you start looking at CX, I'm sorry, UX, you're getting into the tactical piece. So think of that CX piece as that journey I went to get my coffee and then UX as the application now to order that coffee. So UX gets into the tactical piece of the components here where how does somebody actually physically on the device select something to order? How do they view the menu? How do they scroll? How do they, how do they add money to the application so they can buy something? And everybody that use, uses mobile apps has seen these updates come across, right? Your, your apps are always being updated. So what companies do is they're looking for those pain points. They're identifying how to fix them, and then you're getting updates on your mobile device. And to go back to the Starbucks example, again, um, the adding money to the application, I saw that change firsthand because I recognized that to add money, I had to go through a couple of steps, basically. And if I was in a hurry to do that, it caused delays. Well, now I can select order, and if there's not enough money there, it pops up and says, there's not enough money, do you want to reload? Right, And I reload very quickly in one click without thinking about it. So somebody recognized that that pain point in the journey, which ended up having a UX practitioner look at it, looked at it and said, hey, how do we fix this in a more meaningful way to, to get rid of that pain point? So there's a blending between that emotional and tactical piece, that's CX and UX. Hmm. So it sounds to me in a way that CX looks at the overall experience at a macro level and really looks at all of the different types of interactions that a consumer could have, and the UX is then going at a micro level. It's zooming in on one of those those interactions, if you will, or touch points, and then really defining about at a more granular level of how that person is going to be working with that particular app on their phone, a kiosk that they might be at, or, or any other system for that matter at a, at a more detailed level. I think that's a great way to put it, Robert. I think um, the macro-micro view is probably a more elegant way to to talk about it, it, but it's true. It is, it is a more universal approach around CX and mac macro, and then micro getting into the tactical piece of it. So it sounds like uh, CX and UX could potentially complement each other for, for looking at sort of the big picture and solving those complex business problems. Is that something that you've seen in your experience? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I, I when I step back and look at it, I, I you know, you have kind of visionary thinkers and doers and entrepreneurs that are trying to uh, come up with ideas and they have their own techniques around how they do that. And it may be refining an existing application. I mean, that's a lot of the work out there is, is just how do we make it better? 
And so you have those types of people that are, you know, into the weeds of where the organization should go, what products they should have, and really figuring that out. Then you have other individuals that are looking at the tactical execution of it and how do I actually make that happen? So there is a, there's definitely a blending between the two, I would say, and, and that's where a lot of the challenge comes in, in my opinion, because you have, in a big organization, you have different areas that are focused and, and siloed pockets on different advancements, and they're not leveraging um, each, each other's discipline. So for, let me give you an example. So you may have a, let's take a large Fortune 500 company that has a user experience group, and a lot of them do. They'll have a group that does UX in there. And that group, however, may not be a shared service across the organization. So it may be in one division. And so you may have another division that is coming up with these great ideas because they're seeing the customer journey, they're seeing those pain points, but they don't have the execution type piece covered with user experience so they can be tactical with it. So they get lost in exactly how to execute on those things. So it's really an organizational mind shift around when you think about CX and design. And some of the listeners may have heard of something called design thinking, which is, it's kind of a buzzword, but it really at the essence of it is about thinking differently about how you uh, come up with product ideas and design and execution of those designs. So there is a blending and shared communication between these groups to try to get that optimized. And a lot of companies will do things like innovation groups or teams or centers of excellence and you know they'll try to roll that out to have a shared service model across the board but it's very difficult to do because in a large organization you have the human component of it which is you're dealing with politics you're dealing with culture you're dealing with um, siloed groups and ownership of different interests so you really got to see from a cultural standpoint beyond that and have more of a transformational leadership style. And that's where the term digital transformation comes from, is you really have to have that, that transformational thought leadership to execute on something like that. Otherwise, you're doing things better, but you're doing them in silos, and there, there's not a cohesive aspect to it. So you get good results in one place, but bad results in, in another place. And you've probably seen that with different brands. You have, you have different experiences you may go to the site and have a great experience. Then you go to the store to pick up the product, maybe you ordered on the site, and you have a terrible experience. That's a disconnect in the, in the customer experience. And those are the pain points that companies are trying to identify so they can rectify those things. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, uh, that was a great example. And it definitely shows how the two are very complementary. In a way, I actually feel like you really can't do one without the other. And you would probably be missing the mark if you did, uh, say, practice UX in isolation without thinking about all the various touch points and how all of this comes together. Uh, I also like how you touched upon a couple of other really good areas that I'm sure our listeners are going to be very keen to learn about, which is design thinking and also how UX ties to digital transformation. So that's something that would be great to have you come back on the show and, and talk a little bit more about uh, to provide our listeners with some additional details. Yeah, design thinking is its really its own area. I think we can get have it, uh, our own episode on that. And there's um, <clears throat> a lot of 
lessons learned out there, material, books that have been written about design thinking. And I think it's important to note that there's no one-size-fits-all way for this, what we're talking about. Every organization is different. Um, design thinking may work you know, a certain way in one company and a totally different way in another company. The, the key thing here is to start thinking differently about how you engage your customers. And if you take a, a user-centered design, or what we call in the industry human-centered design, approach to things and you're thinking, then you get everybody in the organization focused in the right direction. We're focused on serving the customer. How do we design products with that in mind? How do we build a company with the human component embedded in it? And if you start taking that mindset and you get out of the mindset of uh, just looking at the numbers, purely at the numbers, which a lot of organizations often do, um, you'd be much better off, you know, by taking that human component into consideration and really evolving your methodologies and processes around that and also operational aspects too because you have to make it um, easy um, from a cultural perspective for people to, to move in that direction, right, to get out of certain mindsets that they, they may be stuck in. Mm-hmm. Well, you've hit upon a really great point that I think is a, an excellent way to wrap up this episode as our first episode, and that is, that you know every company is going to be tackling this challenge a little bit differently. This is not a cookie cutter approach or a one size fits all. And I really think that that's, in many ways, the essence of what our our series at Next Wave here is about, which is talking to experts and other practitioners in the field, and really hearing you know their lessons learned. What are the challenges that they've that they've faced and that they've managed to overcome, and what are the different sort of creative techniques that they've used in overcoming these challenges to really help advance technology and advance their organization. And again, I think that's really the heart of what we're trying to convey here in our podcast series. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining us for our initial episode. Um, Again, we just covered so much good ground in terms of really understanding user experience, the fact that it really is ubiquitous in terms of the value it can provide. It's not necessarily um, fitted for one particular industry versus another. There are a lot of different universal values that that can be had, and it really comes from the essence of um, taking a human-centered approach and really making sure that we're not just doing something for technology's sake, but that we're really understanding the needs of the end uh, user or even the consumer for for that matter, and really making sure that we're putting them first as we're trying to solve their problems and, and coming up with ways to design innovative solutions. So if, um, if the audience wanted to get more information about this topic, about yourself and OneSpring, uh, where would they go? Yeah, and, and thanks, Robert, for kind of putting this on, and, and I'm really excited to be part of this premiere episode. If you want to get in contact with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just uh, search for Jason Mosha, M-O-C-C-I-A, and reach out. Great. All right, again, thanks so much. And uh, for the listeners, thanks for joining us. Again, this podcast was produced by OneSpring at our podcast studios here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for listening and have a great day.